Welcome to the Gathering Church Podcast. We are so glad you're joining us today. For more info about The Gathering, you can check out thegathering.online. Thanks for checking out the podcast. Here's today's message. Joy to the world. We know, oh, come all ye faithful. Hark the herald angels sing. Some of those were written back in the 1700s. But do you hear what I hear was actually written in 1962. And I found this story very interesting. It was written by a, a, a duo of Noel Regni and Gloria Shane. Noel was born in France. The beginning of his life was very promising of a, a musical career. He went to the Strasbourg Conservatory to study and to learn. But unfortunately, then World War II hit. And France became overwhelmed by Germany. And Regni was, against his will, drafted into the German army. And Noel, he hated the Nazis, he hated being a German soldier, so much so that he became a spy for the French resistance. And he actually led a battalion, a unit of German soldiers into an ambush, knowingly he himself got shot, so it wouldn't look like he knew the plan, he knew that the ambush was coming. But eventually, Noel was able to desert and leave the German army, and he fought with the French resistance Till the end of the war. After the war, he then moved to Manhattan and would write songs for TV shows and jingles for different advertisements, and there he met Gloria Shane. Gloria was also a, a composer in her own right, a pianist, a, a producer of music, and they began to work together in writing songs. And they were asked to, to write a Christmas song in October of 1962. Well, during this time in October of 1962, there was a big issue happening in the United States. There was the threat of the Cuban Missile Crisis. There was a lot of anxiety of the threat of nuclear war. The song clearly, as you read the song, it clearly has lyrics pertaining to the birth of Christ. But there are also some subtle lines that pertain to the climate of the United States during that time. The story goes that, that Noel, he was struggling to start the song. He was, start, he was struggling to find that first line. And he was walking the streets of Manhattan. And he saw two women with strollers pushing babies in the middle of the city. And the thought came to him, that first line said, The night wind to the little lamb. And so this thought of this night wind, this, this oppressive time, this concerning time, and these little lambs, these little babies that are there in the cold. People also speculate that the line, a star dancing in the night with a, a tail as big as a kite, sure, that could mean the star that the wise men followed to Jesus, but it also could mean, it could mean that there was this, this possibility of a, of a missile attack lurking. And so whatever all the inspiration, however they were inspired to write this song, uh, Noel and Gloria wrote it, completed it in 1962. The next year, it would become a big hit when this little-known artist named Bing Crosby would do a version of the song. All of a sudden, people began to know the song. It continued to grow in popularity, even being covered by uh, Whitney Houston in the, in the 1980s. And over the years, there have been hundreds of different versions of the song, but I found it interesting that Noel said his favorite recording of the song was done by a, a man named Robert Goblet in which his version of the song, he shouts the line, pray for peace, people everywhere. 
And Noel was quoted in talking about the song. He said, I'm amazed that people can think that they know the song and not know it's a prayer for peace. That we can know this song and we can sing it, but we don't know what we're singing about. And he also was quoted as talking about that time and all the distractions going on. He said, we are so bombarded with sounds and our attention spans are so short. We wonder why we can't have peace when we get easily distracted by the things that we hear and see. Do you hear what I hear? Do you see what I see? The question I want to ask you today is, what is your attention focused on? God has brought peace to you, but depending on what you're listening to and what you're watching will either increase your peace or it will increase your anxiety. What are you focusing on in this time, in this season? And I want to look at the story of the two prophets that were focusing on the promise of the coming newborn king and they received the peace of Jesus. We're going to read from Luke chapter 2. If you've got your Bible, you can turn there to Luke chapter 2. Just a reminder, if you like those sermon notes, you can pull those up on the Church Center homepage app or the YouVersion Bible app, and you can follow along with the story. We're not going to be reading the birth story of Jesus, but what happens right after the, the passage on the birth of Jesus? Let's read these three verses from verse 22. Luke 2, starting in verse 22, it says this. When the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord, and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons." We're going to stop here for a second. We're still setting up the story. We're going to get to Simeon and Anna in a moment. But first, let's focus on Joseph and Mary. Joseph and Mary are now responsible for this newborn king. They're responsible as Jews to follow the traditions, the custom that says you would present your firstborn male and an offering to the temple in dedication. I think it's interesting that we see that you could bring two pigeons or two turtle doves. I was like, is that where you get from the 12 days of Christmas song? But I only researched one Christmas song. I wasn't about to do a second researching of, so you have to figure that out in your own time. Uh, But it was interesting to me to note that there are two turtle doves because we know from what we've seen in the Bible, what we've seen in the Old Testament, a normal sacrifice would require a lamb, not two turtle doves. But what there was is, is, is there was a caveat. If, if there was a poor family in need, two turtle doves would suffice instead of a lamb. And so from that, we can assume at this point, Joseph and Mary, they are dealing with financial struggles. And we can assume at this point, the wise men have not yet visited Joseph and Mary. We know they bring those gifts that eventually help them in leaving the land, going to Egypt to to save themselves when King Herod is trying to find Jesus. And so now with that in mind, let's read the next few verses, starting in verse 25. It says, Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. 
It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. I want to start with a broad stroke of this occurrence, of this passage here. I believe this is perfect timing from God working through Simeon that he would enter the picture and he would prophesy encouragement, edification over Joseph and Mary. If you don't know what prophecy is, it's simply a way in which God speaks to people to speak to other people. He speaks through people to encourage you. And I want you to know prophecy is always to uplift you. It's always to encourage you. It might be a warning. It's a warning of what will happen if you don't follow God, but it's meant to always uplift you and encourage you. And this is a timely minute, a moment for Simeon, because Joseph and Mary are in the middle of a difficult season. We saw what happened, the blessing they had on that magical night and the angels and the shepherds. But what happens day to day for a newborn family struggling to get by? And yet God sends in a person of encouragement in that moment. Has God ever sent you a person of encouragement at just the right time? You get that text message from somebody or that phone call. It's like, how did you know that I needed that? I've received that. It sounds like none of you have gotten that before, but I have been fortunate and blessed to receive that in my life when the timing of God is perfect and Simeon is an, is an encouragement in Joseph and Mary's life. And I want to focus on Simeon. It says that once he held the baby, what is his first words? He says, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace. There's a reason that Simeon could depart in peace. I want to look at three different ways. How can we live a life get, receiving the peace that God has for us? Simeon has been watching and he's been waiting for years for this moment. And because he was a man after God's own heart, we're going we're to see here three different things, different attributes that we see of Simeon. We don't know a lot about his story. We don't know a lot about his background, but we know this from verse 25. He was a man that was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. That's what we know about him. And as he was watching and he was waiting for his Savior and he received his peace, here is how we can receive the peace of God. The first way that we do that is by faithfully watching. It says that he was righteous and devout. Now, when we're watching, when we're waiting, waiting can be tough, right? Is it tough for anyone else? Not knowing the due date, not knowing when something's going to happen. We're just waiting. When is God going to do this? But as we're waiting, we have to remain faithful to God. It says that Simeon was righteous and devout. Let me explain those two words. Righteous simply means he was following God. He was obeying God in his life. He wasn't living in a life of sin. 
He wasn't following after sin. He was following after what God had asked him to do, and he was devout. That means he took his faith seriously. He was devoted day in and day out. And it was a question that came to me that was convicting to me. Am I always taking my faith seriously? Day in and day out, week in and week out, am I choosing to take the responsibility that God has given me and always take it seriously? Simeon had to take it very seriously that he was watching and waiting for the newborn king. He embraced this responsibility as the greatest mission that God could place on him. Sometimes I think that we steward the responsibility that God has given us a bit casually. Anybody else feel that way? Sometimes we take things lightly. We take them for granted. We, we allow ourselves to kind of slack off on the small things. Oh, it's just, it's just a small lie. Just a small lie to your spouse. It's not a big deal. It's not going to hurt anything. Just let it go. It's just a, a small cheat on your taxes. Maybe this is a bad time to say that as we get ready for January. It's just a small thing. They're not going to notice it. It's not going to matter much of a difference. It's just a small thing. It's just a small thought in my head that I keep entertaining and thinking about, but it's not going to go beyond that. It's just a small thought. What happens to small things in our life that go unchecked? They grow. Sin always leads to more sin. That is its goal. It's meant to lead you to more sin and eventually lead to death. That is the point of sin. When we allow things to linger, they grow. They expand. Sin always wants to lead to more sin. It reminds me, it reminds me of the story, one of the best uh, movie, TV shows that I could watch as a kid was Larry Boy, right? Any of the real ones remember Larry Boy. So I remember the very first one, uh, my parents bought it for us before they went on a date to make it easier on the babysitter that we wouldn't be super wild the entire time. They gave us the Larry Boy and the Fib from Outer Space. If you remember, there's this little alien thing that comes to earth and it, it begins to whisper lies, deception into this young boy. It says, it's not a big deal, just tell this little lie. Just tell a little thing, it's not a big deal. Eventually, as the boy followed the lies of this fib, this alien, the fib grew bigger and bigger and bigger to, to the point that he could not contain, he could not hide it any longer. And thankfully, we need people like Larry Boy in our lives to come in and save the day when things go wrong and things go bad. But what I'm telling you is not to live a perfect life, not that you can never have a small mess up or mistake, but we have to deal with it while it's small. We have to take, it, take hold of that thought and say, no, that thought's not going to, I'm going to take that thought captive. It's not going to have a place in my mind. I'm not going to allow that little lie to take place. I'm going to check myself. I think of King David. He's known as a man after God's own heart, not because he was perfect. He messed up royally multiple times. But it's because every single time that he messed up and God pointed out the sin in his life through a prophet or other means, David was always quick to say, God, please forgive me. I turn away from that. I repent of that. And I turn back to you. Be faithful in the small things. Be faithful with what you're doing. There wasn't just, Simeon was not the only person in this passage who was faithful. There was a prophetess in the name, whose name was Anna. Look at what it says about Anna in verse 36. There was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phinuel, of the tribe of Asher. 
She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple. She was worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. If you want to look for an example of faithfulness in the Bible, look at Anna. Of all the people that it would make sense for her to struggle with faithfulness, she's lost her husband. She's chosen not to remarry. She she said, I'm just going to dedicate the rest of my life faithfully serving God in this temple. Scholars believe that they gave her a room in one of the buildings on that temple hill so she could live there and spend the decades of her life attending all services, spending time in fasting and prayer. For anyone to struggle, it would be understandable for Anna, but she remained faithful to God. Because she lost her husband, she lost her wealth, she lost her status, she lost the continuation of her lineage, all these things. But yet she did not abandon our faith. She had to actually increase and press in further to God. Think about it. If you're at this level with God of prayer and dedication, all those things, and something bad happens to your life, what do you need to do to continue to stay strong in God? You can't decrease it. You can't even stay where you are. You have to actually increase it to keep you strong through those difficult times. You have to press in. And I'm so thankful that anytime we press into God, he finds us. In fact, because of the faithfulness of Simeon and Anna, what happened? They got to see the newborn Messiah. They had the privilege of being one of the first people to see God. And that didn't happen right away. That was after years, after decades of following God faithfully with no reward. I don't know when you're going to be rewarded, but I know that God will honor and he will see your faithfulness. I don't know if it'll be rewarded on this side of heaven or the other side of heaven, but he will see your faithfulness. Be faithful as you watch. Be faithful in the little things. It says Simeon was, he was faithful, he was righteous, and he was devout. Look at the second part of that in verse 25. It then says that he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. Waiting for the consolation. That's not just waiting like I'm sitting here, I'm being passive, let me know when it happens, God. It means he was anticipating. He was expecting. The second thing, as we look for peace, as we wait for the peace of God, expectantly be waiting. Be waiting with expectations for your Savior. Because we know you can do something faithfully, but without any confidence. Right? You can go through the motions You can do the right things, but be struggling with skepticism and doubt. Think think about the manner in which we do things. Think about when we gave a couple weeks ago, when we gave to missionaries and ministries. We could have given resentfully, begrudgingly, saying, I can't believe I'm giving this right now. I've got so many bills, all these things going. That's why the Bible says to be not just a giver, be a cheerful giver. The Bible says don't just give thanks with some parts of your body. Give it with your whole heart, every single part of you. It matters in which we give to God. 
wait with expectation. Many of you know the story of Jim McLean, and he's fondly known as the wild card here at the church, and we love Jim McLean very much. And if you know his story recently, he's not had a whole lot of peace. He's been struggling with a lot of pain in his back. And he's been in intense pain, intense struggle, and it's difficult for him to work, to focus, all these things. And he was going to the doctor, and one doctor said, you need to have surgery. He said, okay, great, you know, right? No one wants to hear that. But he's like, I should get a second opinion. He goes to another doctor. What does that doctor say? He says, I would not get surgery. I don't, I don't know what you do, but you should not get surgery. Don't you love it when you get conflicting reports? Like, okay, what am I supposed to do now, God, right? It's like, this is not fair. So Jim, he gets upset because now I've got two different reports telling me to do two different things. He's like, I'm back to square one. I don't know what I'm going to do now. So Jim, he goes back home. He's conflicted about this report. That evening, a thought comes to him that maybe this cholesterol medicine that he's been taking is causing the issue. Maybe this medicine has nothing to do with his back, so to speak, that we could think of. Maybe that's causing the issue. And Missy says, she says, I believe that is a word of knowledge from God for you. Don't take the surgery. Stop taking that medication. And wouldn't you know it, Jim would not say he's 100% better, but where he could not sit for any period of time, now he can sit for, for minutes, for I don't know how long at this point, but Missy would say every morning, you are different than you were. Can you give God praise? He's healing people. But here's the thing. If Jim and Missy are not expecting to see God move, if they don't believe that God can heal, they could very easily miss out. This wasn't just a random thought that came into your head out of nowhere. This was a word of knowledge. This was a gift of the Holy Spirit. But if you don't recognize that, if you don't focus on God expecting him to move, it's very easy for us to miss out on what he's trying to do. And I know, I know that people were praying for Jim. I was praying for Jim. Jim was believing that God could heal him and wanted to heal him. But sometimes God wants to partner with us and look through every opportunity, every moment, there's a chance that God could move. Let, let me give you one more quick example to try to, to, to hit this home Years ago, we had a friend who, who bought an unusual car. It seemed like an unusual car to me. It was a, a light blue Toyota Prius. It was actually Sarah Wilson, if you guys didn't know. And, and so friends of ours, and I saw this car for the first time, and I thought, wow, that's like a really unusual car. I've never seen something like that. Like the back of it was real boxy. It was this car. I was like, I bet anytime I see that driving through the city, I'm going to know it's her. I'm going to know that's Sarah. And wouldn't you know, the next week I see that car way more than I had seen at any other time in my life. I said, wow, Sarah's everywhere. There she, nope, that's not Sarah. That's someone else, I guess. Oh, that's gotta be, nope, that's not them either. Did everybody on the same week buy this same car? What happened? No, it wasn't that. It's because I now knew this car. I was looking for it and I was expecting to see it. It's actually known, it's known as the, the Bader-Meinhof phenomenon, or, or also known as the frequency illusion. It says it's a cognitive bias that occurs when something you've noticed or you've recently learned suddenly seems to appear everywhere. Has it begun to just appear everywhere, or are you just now noticing it? If you're not looking and expecting for God to move, you won't see him. 
But if you're expectantly watching and waiting, you will see God moving in your life. I'm not trying to over-spiritualize this, okay? Don't go looking for answers from God in your alphabet soup. Don't, don't you know, get this weird dream and say, God told me this. Maybe, but also you could have just had bad chicken last night and you're feeling kind of weird, okay? Don't over-spiritualize it. But the more we look for God, the more we will see God at work in our life. Expectantly watching and waiting. Simeon knew the prophecy. He knew what had been said and he was expecting. And therefore, God revealed it to him. He could see it. He had eyes to see. Remember we talked about Jim and Missy and that, that word of knowledge. That's a gift of the Holy Spirit. You can find those in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Look, at, look back at verse 25 here of what we know about Simeon. The last part, it says, he was, it says the Holy Spirit was upon him. I want to encourage you as you wait and you watch for the peace of God in your life. Watch faithfully and expectantly, but I also want you to know you are equipped to watch and wait because you are equipped with the Holy Spirit. There's a reason Simeon knew when to be at the temple. There's a reason Simeon knew that he would not die before he saw God's promise. Look at the next verse, verse 26. It says, it had been revealed to him, meaning Simeon, by the Holy Spirit, that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ, and he came in the spirit, into the temple. How did Simeon know that he could wait expectantly? Through the power of the Holy Spirit. How did he know when to go to the temple? Through the power of the Holy Spirit. How are you and I born again in Jesus? Through the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, if you want peace in your life, you have the Holy Spirit. He's known as the comforter. True peace is found in God alone. And the Holy Spirit is the one who is guiding us into peace. That's why peace is known as one of the fruits of the Spirit. I love what it says in Romans 14, 17. It says the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Friends, if we look for peace in the things of this world, we will always be mistaken. We will always be missing with God. We will be consuming, but never truly satisfied. Let me tell you, if you look for peace in the news, you will be lacking. If you look for peace in the things of this world, in relationships, in your house, in your savings account, and all the things that the world has to offer, you will be lacking. True peace is found in what Simeon did by living righteously before God, waiting expectantly for God and living in the power of the Holy Spirit. True peace comes from the comfort of the Holy Spirit. True peace comes from the everlasting Prince of Peace in Jesus Christ. And when Simeon picked up the child in his arms, it says in verse 29, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace. Simeon says, now because I've seen my Savior, I've fulfilled my mission, I have your peace. That word peace right there, it's the same Greek word that we see for the peace in the Christmas story where it says the angels came to the shepherds in verse 14 and they said, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace. 
Peace came to earth in the form of Jesus. The announcement of Jesus from the, shepherd, from the angels to the shepherds, it brought glory to God and peace to earth. Once Simeon had the promise of the Messiah, he said, I can depart in peace because I've eagerly anticipated. I've watched being filled with the Holy Spirit. And Jesus was the bringer of peace and salvation and revelation. Simeon and Anna, they were equipped with peace. Alex, if you could come and play as we close here. Look back at Anna's story one more time. We know she was faithful. We know she struggled through things. Look at verse 38 one more time. It says that she was coming up that very hour. She began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. Simeon and Anna, they were equipped with peace that only Jesus could bring. It was challenging to wait. They both waited years and years. Anna experienced mourning and pain and losing a husband, but yet she modeled joy in the middle of her despair. She modeled peace in the middle of her pain, and she had the greatest privilege to see God. And not only that, she saw God, it says because of her, the good news was spread to wider circles. She was part of God's plan to widen, to increase the news and the announcement of the good news of Jesus Christ. That song that the, the team sang, pray for peace, people everywhere. I want you to know that that prayer for peace was necessary at that time in the moment when Jesus came to earth. The prayer for peace was necessary in 1962 during the Cuban Missile Crisis. And right here today, there is a need for us as people of God to pray for peace. I'm going to pray for peace for you in a moment, but can we think about praying for peace for this world, for our country, for the people out there that don't know God? And you might be saying, Matt, how can I pray for peace in the middle of despair? We can pray because of the last line of that song. What does it say? The child, the child sleeping in the night, he will bring us goodness and light. He will bring us goodness and light. We can pray for peace because we know that we serve a God who gives us goodness and his light. That's why we have hope. That's why we have faith in God. I'm going to ask you at this time, would you close your eyes? Bow your heads for no distractions. Would you join me in praying for peace in the middle of despair? Peace in the middle of struggles. God, we pray for peace right now in our city. Peace for those that are trying to live life on their own. They're trying to manage everything, and yet they're apart from you. We know that we can do nothing apart from you, that we need you every single day. I pray for those that are not in a relationship with you, God, that this Christmas season, they would see you are the best gift they could receive. You are the peace that surpasses understanding. I pray that you would fill our city and our nation and our world with your peace, oh God. Pray for peace over your people. 
as you continue to close your eyes in prayer, if, you, if you're able, would you stand up as we close this time? I want to pray for peace for the, for the world, for our nation, of course, but I want to pray peace over you. You might be struggling and say, Matt, I don't know how I can have peace right now. Things are crumbling around. I want you to live confidently knowing that being faithful to God in the difficult times is always rewarding. Being faithful to God when things are good, that's not faithfulness. That's simply a thank you note to God for what he's done. Faithfulness is when I say, God, I don't get it. I don't understand. I don't know where you are, but I'm still going to trust you. I know I feel alone right now, but I know I'm not alone because you're here. I feel pain right now, but I'm not always going to feel this pain. Can you be faithful in the difficult times? And I'll pray for those three different areas for peace over your life. If you're struggling to find peace and you've been struggling to live righteously, devoted to God, you have a relationship with God, but you're struggling to every day live that out. If that's you, would you slip up your hands and say, Matt, pray for me. I'm struggling to live devotion. Yep, I see those hands. Yep, I see those hands. For the next group of people, for those of you that you're right, you're doing the righteous works, you're living for God, but you're struggling to do it with eagerness and anticipation. You're struggling with doubt and skepticism and you need faith to believe for what you're gonna see from God. If that's you, would you, would you lift your hand and say, I'm struggling to believe with anticipation. Yep, I see that hand. I see those hands. Yep. And lastly, you want peace and maybe you haven't been filled with the Holy Spirit before or you need to be refilled. You need the peace that the Holy Spirit, the comforter can provide to you. If that's you, you say, Matt, pray for me for the Holy Spirit to fill me or to refill me again. If that's you, would you slip up your hand? Say, God, fill me with the Holy Spirit. Yes, I see that hand. Yep, I see that hand. God, we thank you this morning that you hear our prayers from heaven. I pray for those that are desiring to live faithfully and righteously for you. God, help us to turn away from the things that hurt ourselves, that hurt you, that hurt others, and to live a righteous life before you, to be devoted, to take our faith walk seriously with you, God not messing around anymore, not having one foot in and one foot out, living faithfully and committed to you. I pray for those that believe in you, God, but there's skepticism, there's doubt that's preventing us from waiting with eagerness and anticipation. God, would you break that in Jesus' name? Would faith arise in our hearts when we know that you're the giver of all good gifts, that you only have the best gifts and the goodness for your people? I pray that we would be able to look and wait with anticipation. And for those who, who raise their hand to be filled with the Holy Spirit, right now, Holy Spirit, would you come and would you fill your people? Would you fill them again to overflowing? Fill them with a peace that surpasses understanding, a peace the fruits of the Spirit would flow out of their lives. That the Holy Spirit would be evident, guiding them in every interaction, every circumstances, God. We thank you for this season, reminding ourselves of the good, good gift of Jesus Christ who came for all, that you are wonderful, you are counselor, you are the mighty God and the Prince of Peace. I pray peace over every single person in this room. No matter where they're going from, this week, this day even, they would hear your still small voice. They would feel you keeping them calm and trusting in you in all circumstances.
We thank you for that today. And in Jesus' name we pray. Thank you for listening to today's message. The Gathering is a place where you can belong to a church that loves you, believe in the God who is bigger than you, and become who God created you to be. For updates, service times, or ways to get involved, check out thegathering.online. And if you enjoyed listening today, consider rating it or sharing it with a friend. We love you. The best is yet to come.